Before I even get into this, I want to say something. When I was praying for Julius, I, I, try to, I try to be as sensitive as I can to the Holy Spirit, and sometimes that's easier than others. But as I was praying for Julius, uh, and I know some of you guys were praying for Pam too, and this is just me specifically while I was praying for Julius, I began to think, um, and even after studying this, how simple a prayer that was. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have to jump up and down or get him in a headlock or drop kick him or anything. Not to say, you know, not to say that some people don't get excited and that's okay. But this is what I love about God is we don't have to paint a picture of what that looks like. It's just as simply as saying, Lord, I want you to heal. I want you to heal him. And that's it. It's just like a child saying, hey, I want my daddy not to hurt, right? I mean, wouldn't your kids say that? I've had my kids pray over me with a headache, completely unexpected and blow me away. I'm about to start crying thinking about it. Just come up and just pray over me. Just the most simple and probably one of the most powerful prayers I've ever heard. Say, hey. Hey, I don't want Daddy's head to hurt anymore. I mean, it's as simple as that. And this is what we've been talking about with uh, simplifying the gospel. It's not complicated. So I just wanted to, that was free. <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there. I just felt that as I was praying over Julius. I was like, you know what? I can stop. I don't have to keep going to try to prove something or try to make a big scene or, or whatever. Anyway. So I'm thankful that you're already feeling better, and I hope that you continue to feel better. I think it's going to be great. All right. I'm trying to not cry. I'm trying to think of something funny. All right. Um, prayer. I Googled prayer this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty entertaining, to be honest. I actually Googled it after I finished, after this was done and everything. I was just sitting there, and I was thinking, and... It's like, let's Google prayer and see what prayer is about. And it had some funny stuff. Pinterest even has like top 25 ways to pray. And it's these cute Pinterest things that you can put on your wall. And, and they're not all bad. I'm not just beating everything up. But there were some that were ridiculous. I think the, the wiki one or one of them was just like way out there. And it was funny because it had visuals. And every one of the visuals had a little bubble blurb of what this girl was praying for. And I think all but one had her in it. <laughs> it's like she was the center of every one of her prayers. One of them that she even drew little horns on so that she could talk about her sins and what she needed to do to make up for them. And it had, none of them had to do with Jesus. Well, not none of them, but most of them had nothing to do with Jesus. And I was like, what are we praying again? <laughs> Why are we praying? And so what I want to talk about is kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week. We'll talk a little bit about the how, but mostly about the why. Why do we pray? Now, the reason I don't talk about how as much is because we can't put this in a box. And the Bible doesn't put it in a box. The Bible gives us lots of different examples and lots of different reasons. We, we petition, we ask God for things, we come with thanksgiving, we go off to a secret place and we pray. So there's lots of different ways that we pray. And so I'm not going to cookie cut all those things, and I can't cover them all in one Sunday. So what I want to focus on is the kind of, um, I guess the kind of withdrawal prayer, the prayer that we pray just kind of between us and God, if you want to call the quiet place or the withdrawn prayer. But before we can get there, the, the scripture I found kind of backs up, so we're going to start there and then go into it. But the question I asked, and, and I started this with, is the, the why question is, is the goal of our prayers to be intimate with God or to get something from him? So I want us to think about that as we go through this. Is the goal of our prayers just to be with God and to have an intimate relationship with him, or is it just to get things or get something or to get something from him? Now, that's broad, I know. <laughs> and like I said, I can't cover everything. But traditionally, what I've seen and what I Googled this morning, the traditional definition of prayer is come to God when you need something so he can give you something. 
That's been the traditional definition that I found when I Googled it, um, which is what I kind of grew up thinking. I, I come to God when I need something, which I'm not saying don't come to God when you need something, but that's been the, the only real, the, the paramount part of prayer that I've always seen. All right. We'll start Matthew 6.1. This isn't talking about prayer, but it's going to get to prayer, and I'm going to read from the message just because I like Eugene Peterson's wording. It's very colorful, and to me it expresses really um, uh, what what's trying to be portrayed here, and it's Matthew 6, 1. Um, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. <laughs> when you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen, them, <clears throat> you've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meetings and street corners alike as a stage. Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching. Praying to the crowds, they get applause, true, but that's all they get. Then you help, <clears throat> When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks, just do it. This should be Nike's slogan. Quietly, <laughs> quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. Now, that's not necessarily talking about prayer, that's talking about action. The reason I went to that is because verse 5 is where I wanted to start. It says, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. So he's kind of continuing the thought. Don't, th- don't turn prayer into a theatrical production the same way you would turn something out on the street corners or in, in a meeting. So he's saying, don't, tur- don't turn this into just a production of something to try to impress people. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? <laughs> Verse 6, he says, Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there. I love that. And I underlined that and highlighted it. Just be there. As simply and honestly as you can as simply and honestly as you can manage, the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. I'll stop there for a moment. Take a deep breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. I don't know if you do that. Just be there. This, to me, is the essence of prayer. Just be there with God. Time on this earth is the only resource that we have that's non-renewable. Our time on earth, you can't get it back once that time's gone, right? There's time that we spend and we talk about busy. How many of us are busy? Anybody? Am I the only busy one? Talk about being busy, right? We're always busy, 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 busy. I think the world's definition of success and, and I don't know, drive is someone who's busy doing things a lot. I think what God's trying to show us here is we need to take a step back sometimes and rest and just be there with him and be, be as simply there and as honest with him as we can be. I mentioned right after worship about being intimate and being vulnerable. Listen, when we, when we come off to this quiet place and we go and we, we just spend time with God, I think it's important that we don't just give him petitions and ask him for things. I think there should be a time when we just listen, when we just listen. <laughs> and that's hard sometimes for me just to listen because I have lots to say. <laughs> and there's lots of things that I think that I need or that people around me need, and there's lots of things that I want to petition for. But I think there's a time for that, but I think there's a time for us just to listen just to sit and be in his presence and enjoy the time being spent with him. Think about marriage. In the same way, I know Tracy and I, most of the time when we talk, we talk about 
kids, about stresses, about life, about work, about bills, right? Are we alone? What do we need? And, and as I was studying this, I began to try to plot out sometime this week that Tracy and I can just spend some time together and not talk about some of that stuff. But it's important for us as a married couple to spend time not just talking about the things that we need and the things that we want and the things that we're stressed out about, but just to enjoy each other's company, right? I thought back to, <laughs> do you remember when we first started dating? And you told me you were embarrassed when they would come and sing happy birthday to you. And so every restaurant I went to, I would tell them it was your birthday because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> it seems simple, but I really started thinking about that. We, not that I need to do that specific thing, but I just remember, remember thinking because Tracy was quiet and shy and, and reserved, and I wasn't. And so I don't know if I was maybe trying to feel her out that it was going to work out, <laughs> that how ridiculous I was, or like maybe I was just like a kid, like punching the girl, I don't like you, I don't like you, but I really like you. And so, but I would, every restaurant we would go to, I would sing, and she would like, her face would turn red, and she would be embarrassed. I was like, I thought it was funny, but she didn't think it was funny at all. She still doesn't think it's funny. But we, we, haven't had the, we haven't had a lot of times like that recently. It's been busy, quote, unquote, busy, right? With work, I've been out of town a lot with, with you know, kids and volleyball and, you know, everything that's going on. We sometimes come together and sometimes we're separate and we don't have a lot of time. And when we do have time, it's usually a short amount of time before we go to sleep to talk about everything that we need to get done the next day or the next week or where we're supposed to be, what the schedule looks like. But I take that and I look with our time with the Lord, it should be intimate. It should be close to where we come to the Lord and we go, okay, I just want to enjoy your presence and you enjoy my presence. I just want to take some time to breathe and rest and just take a break and be as, and be as honest and focus on him as, as, as I can, right? And it's funny that, that uh, Andrew didn't know anything that I was going to talk about, and the first thing he said was, okay, let's focus. What I found is most of the struggles that I've run into and most of the struggles that I've seen with other people is that they, they don't come to the Lord as simply as, and as honestly as possible. And here's what I've seen in my experience. My dad, um, when I was growing up, was abusive towards my mom. Now, what I saw from the very basic, you know, unspiritual step back and look at my dad never abused my mom when he was sober. He only did it when he was drunk. Now, that's a, I'm not trying to, trying to beat anybody up about having a glass of wine or drinking beer. I'm, not even, I'm, I'm just saying there was something there that happened when he was under the influence of alcohol that didn't happen when he wasn't. I'm not going to get into all the other times when he went into near comas and cocaine. That's a different sermon. Alcohol, <laughs> alcohol in and of itself would change his character. Have any of you experienced that? I've experienced that. It's been a long time ago, but uh, I've experienced it as well. Now, what happens is, what I think, what was going on in his life is, my dad had some anger issues. Definitely had some anger issues. He didn't know the Holy Spirit. He didn't have anywhere to go to deal with that. And so what he did, what a lot of people do, is they drink. And that, what, what I remember the experiences that I would have, and some of you may have had it, and I'm not trying to tell you a way to do things or advocate anything. I'm just telling you my experience. I would drink until I would get a quote-unquote buzz, and your inhibitions would drop a little bit. So I'd feel a little more comfortable to do stupid things or crazy things, but I would still be conscious and know what was going on. Now, within the past few weeks, I've had a few different people ask me if I had been drinking just because I was happy and acting goofy. 
That's just how I am. <laughs> but the reason why I can be that way, I think, is because I have the Holy Spirit and have life in me that gives me joy even when there's not necessarily joy around. I can sit around a table of people moping and groping and griping about things and wait for the opportunity to say a joke and make everybody laugh. I'm just going to make the best of it. You know what I mean? And I'll say, why are you so goofy? You've been drinking? No, I'm just happy. Can I be happy? But here's why. Because for many of us, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody or beat anybody up, this has been been what I've seen. What happens is when you begin to drink, you get a quote-unquote buzz or whatever, and your inhibitions drop a little bit. And so where you might not have danced before, you dance now, right? I mean, seriously, it it lowers that a little bit. But you're still conscious of what's going on, but you just kind of loosen up and you begin to dance a little bit. And then you can go too far and you get drunk. And then sometimes, I remember times when I don't remember anything. I'd be off in the woods and they had to bring me back. (laughs) I mean, I was completely under the influence of something else. This, this to me, is a pretty neat picture of how the Holy Spirit does for us sometimes. Because I can, I mean, I was going to get up and dance. I don't need to dance for you, but I'll, I don't mind dancing. But I think of my buddy, buddy the elf, too. I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing. <laughs> I think, I'm in a store, and I'm singing. All right. Anyway. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I could do the whole scene, but I'm not. Seven-inch ribbon curls, ladies. Is it six? Is it seven? Six. Six inches. All right. Anyway. But I think, I think that when we draw from another, and, and alcohol is an easy one to pick on because it's, it's pretty clear. You can kind of see what's going on there. But I think when we try to draw from something, I think that's what my dad was doing. I think that he was trying to find something. I think part of him, whether it was a buzz or, or completely under the influence of something else, something in him was coming out that it had dropped his inhibitions and he had issues that he wasn't willing to deal with. I think that when we come to the Lord and we deal with these issues, he begins to fill us up with joy. And we begin to get a buzz and we begin to get drunk in the spirit. Because when we come to him vulnerable, when we say, okay, uh, I'm trying to think of a reason why I would need something else, and, and, and not just alcohol, it could be anything else, any other vice that you could think of, why well, I need this to do something, it's because I have a fear of something, whether it's the, the opinion of other people, or it's a fear that I might mess up or offend somebody, it could be a good, you know, a good intentions type of fear, but we, we look to something very temporary instead of looking to something eternal that can fix the problem, and I think, I think the main reason is because we don't want to do this, we, we don't want to be vulnerable, because we don't trust, and I think when, when we pray, we have to lay everything out there. We have to say, God, I struggle with, you know, pornography, or I'm really dealing with, with this issue in my life, or I'm really struggling with, with this specific thing. And it's not that God doesn't know. He even tells us if I get to it. He even says, I already know what, you, what you're dealing with before you even ask me. I already, I already know what you need. Why does, he know what, why does he know what you need? Why else? Because he is what you need. How does he know what you need? Because he is what you need. It seems simple. <laughs> but he knows what you need before you even pray it. Now, now, we look at that and say, okay, well, he knows I need this specific thing to happen in my life. That's what, uh, right? Is that what we think? We think he knows that we need this to happen. When he's saying, I know that, but I also know you need me more than just fixing this problem. Because this problem is temporary whether it goes the way that you think it should go or goes a different way, this problem's temporary. But I know what you need because I'm what you need because I created you. We've talked about it before. Car runs on gas. We run on Holy Spirit. <laughs> we don't run good on anything else. Car doesn't run good on milk. <laughs> I put diesel in a four-wheeler one time, and it did not run good on diesel. It was a gas four-wheeler. <laughs> we run on Holy Spirit. That's what we run on. 
And when we try to substitute with something else, sometimes it can temporarily fix our problems. But ultimately, we're submitting to something that we're not designed to submit to. And just like, and like I said, I'm just using an example, just like alcohol, sometimes you can submit so far that you don't even know what you're doing. I, literally, I remember one night where they told me, I don't remember, they had to bring me back. I was in the woods somewhere. I didn't even know where I was going. But I was completely outside of what, what I was doing. So I, I just think that there's a, there's a, just like Eugene Peterson words it here, just be there simply and honestly. Be honest with God. He already knows anyway. Say, hey, man, I'm, I'm dealing with this stuff, and I don't know what to do, and here's what I want to do. This is, this is my, my whole spiel that I keep going back to with grace. What do you want to do? We need to deal with what we want to do. If what you want to do is selfish, then we need to deal with that. Don't just push it off and say, no, I just need to try harder and do more. No, let's deal with why, why you feel the need to, to be selfish in whatever you're dealing with. Let's, let's attack this at the core. Because if we just push that aside and say, oh, no, I'm just going to try harder, then you're saying, I'm just not going to succeed is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just not going to succeed in this. Essentially, you're putting a stamp on it saying, I just can't do it, so I'm going to try real hard and never succeed. All right, I'm, I'm getting, getting off a little bit. Verse 7. It says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. <laughs> I love, the, I love the wording here. This is great because I've, many of you have seen this and I've seen it too. It says, they're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. And a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Simple. If you know that God is your father, Pray simply to him. Be honest with him. Come to your father and say, here's what's up. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's my anxieties. Here's my stresses. Here's my struggles. Help me. And he'll say, okay. I know this is really simple. <laughs> I know this is really simple, but this is it. This is the gospel. This is saying, this is, saying, this is how I want to pray. I want to pray, God, I'm being honest with you about everything. These are my pros. These are my cons. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. Help me work, work, work out some of this stuff with me. Let's, let's, let's work with this together. So many of us, if you're anything like me, we're impatient and we don't like the process, so we try to speed things along ourselves, right? We try to fix, we try to shortcut the Holy Spirit and say, okay, well, I know where I'm trying to get. I don't want to take this path. I don't want to submit to God and take his path. I want to do it myself, so I'm going to take a shortcut and do this. And that usually ends in calamity for me. It doesn't end well when I try to do it on my own. But here's what's important about going and listening. I want to kind of focus on that too. You go, and Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. When it goes into the prayer, how will we know his will if we don't listen? How will we know the direction we want to go in prayer if we don't hear what he has to tell us? Think about this for a minute. What are you praying about? Why are you praying? Is it because just because you need something? Or are you listening what the Holy Spirit's telling you? You listen to God and, and aligning yourself with Him and then praying those kind of prayers. Do you see the difference? If you're not listening in prayer, how do you know what to pray for? Where are you drawing, where are you drawing your prayers from? Out of your needs only? Where? where do, out of your understanding only? You know how limited that is? 
if we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, if we don't hear from Him, if we don't, if we say we want Your will and we want Your will to be done, Lord, what what is that? And I had this conversation with with my friend a few weeks ago. I was telling you about my pastor friend. He was like, "Well, how do you direct your church to do these things?" And I said, "I don't. It's one of the hardest things I have to do <laughs> is not tell them specifically what to do because then they're looking to me to be their Holy Spirit, and I can't be that. So we attack the why, and you work out the how." <laughs> Because that's different to each one of you and different to each situation that you find yourselves in. I don't know who you're going to run into today. I can't, I can't formulate every one of those situations. If I tell you one, I can give you examples, but if I tell you one, even about prayer, if I tell you this is exactly how prayer needs to look every time, you're going to say, okay, it's another Christian duty they have to perform, and I'm going to take a quiet time at this, you know, this much time. And there's nothing wrong with taking a quiet time, but I'm saying if I formulate it just like he's saying and give you techniques and you go and do them and they fail, then... I risk you just running away from this whole thing altogether because it didn't work out. Because I misinformed you. Or I gave you something that didn't fit with you. How many of you know that we all have different personalities? How many of you can focus at night and read at night? I fall asleep at night. I can't do it. Early in the morning, I'm wide awake and I can focus. I'm more focused in the morning than any other time. Even when I don't want to wake up at 3 o'clock, I wake up super zeroed in focused. And that's, that's my quiet time, if you want to call it that. Not everybody's like that. When I, when I work on cars or jet skis or Jeep or something, that's my, that's my quiet time. That's my settled time. That doesn't work for you. You may not do that. Some of you hunt. I don't care anything about hunting, but some of you like to sit up in a tree and freeze <laughs> and kill Bambi. I don't know. <laughs> but that's cool, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not me. But that could be, I mean, that's an, and I've heard many of you Give me testimony about that. That's my time to just spend the time with the Lord. And, and, and it's, it's peaceful, and it, and it gives you relaxing time. Some of you guys work out. I don't get it. <laughs> some of you guys work out. <laughs> some of you guys work out, and, and I know I need to, but that's not, I don't enjoy that. <laughs> it's not something I enjoy. But there are other things that I do, and, and that's, my, that's my time, and I pray. We talk about praying without ceasing. That's praying without ceasing. Seizing every opportunity. We talk about being busy. You're never too busy to pray. Because praying, it should be like breathing, part of our lives. We talked about this a little bit last week. When you walk around, you seize every opportunity to, to be thankful that the Lord has provided you breath and any other blessing you can come up with. And then you seize every opportunity to share that with other people. It's nonstop. There's no set time for that. It's not just Sunday mornings, although this is a great opportunity to do that together. But it doesn't stop here. It doesn't start and stop here. So when you're out you seize every opportunity. If I can encourage you to do anything, do that. Seize every opportunity you can to be thankful and to receive from the Lord and to, to, to take those times to tell him, I, I struggle with this, help me with this. When he works it out, share it with other people. Seize every opportunity to share it with everybody that you come in contact with. John ten twenty seven says, my, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. How? How are we going to pray if we don't hear his voice? He's saying right there, we will recognize his voice. How will we know his voice if we don't listen? If all we're doing is petitioning and asking and, and, and giving him things that we need, if we don't take the time to listen, how will we know his voice? God is seeking to reveal the absolute best in you. Are you doing the same thing for other people? Think about that in your prayer life. When you pray, God is speaking truth over you. Guess what? His truth is better than your truth. That's why I always say you get to discover truth, not determine it. 
We get to discover the truth about us through the Holy Spirit. When we pray, God tells us how great we are, greater than we even think that we are. Does that not make you happy? (laughs) If you wonder why people, some people are overjoyed, that's why. Because no matter how good you think that you can be, God says, I think you're even greater. Um, I hear a pastor say all the time, it's an injustice for you to live less than what God says. Or what did Brian, do you know, what's the quote that, uh, what's his name, Steve Eden says? The one when he says, uh, 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 don't, don't teach people um, how to pray to get things because you're too great of a, of a creation to be satisfied by things. Oh, yeah, that's it. See, you got it. Say it, wait, say it one more time. That? Oh. Say it one more time. Do not teach people how to pray to get things because you're too great of a creation to be satisfied by things. There you go. You're, man, I'm going to, I'll see y'all later. That sounds like joy over there. You're too great a creation to be satisfied just by things. Don't just pray for things. When we talk about prayer and being intimate with the Lord, cherish that time. We talked about a minute ago, time being the only resource, non-renewable resource that we have on earth right now. Cherish the moments that you have, not just the things that you have. Those moments are, are so much more important than anything else. It's those intimate relationships that you build with people. All right. You can be as transformed in rest and in receiving as you ever could be in self-effort. The Lord can transform you just in receiving from Him. We talk about being an R&D church. We receive and distribute. What's a branch do? Receives from the source. Good. And produces what? Good fruit. Receive, distribute. Don't name and claim. The whole name it, claim it movement was self-centered. We're not naming and claiming things. We're receiving and distributing. The cool thing is we get to benefit from it in the process. As we receive, it's good. It feels good. When we distribute, it feels good also. Yeah, Bill? Bless me so that I may bless others. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the why thing. I'm not saying you don't need to have things. Have things. Do you want to be successful in life? Be successful. Um, have a good job. But you need to define successful. <laughs> I don't want to chase this rabbit too long. We'll take a quick sprint. What is successful? How do we define successful? I heard, who was it? I can't think of his name. He's a comedian. He was talking about his dad told him uh, he went, He was the only one of his kids that didn't go to college, and his dad told him, hey, you need to do this, and you, know, you need to be successful. And he said, well, I'm going to go into, he ended up being a comedian, had his own show, Dave Chappelle. And he said, uh, he said well, Dad, if, if I, his dad was a teacher. He said, if I can make a teacher's salary being a comedian, I consider that successful. His dad said, well, if you keep that mindset, you'll do all right. Because his definition of success was different than what most people would say. If I'm, if I'm going to Hollywood to be something, you'd think I'm going to be a millionaire and drive a Lamborghini, that kind of thing. He was saying, no, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to define my, my level of success, and this is what it's going to look like. Now, in the same way, as Christians, what, does, what is successful to a Christian? Let's dialogue a little bit. I know I'm chasing a little bit of a rabbit, but let's, let's run with this a little bit. What is the Christian's definition of success, do you think? No pressure. Just what do you think? Being able to help people, success. Okay. What do you? I mean, what do you think? Success for the Christian. What do you think a successful Christian? Because we've heard things. Here's phrases I've heard. I need to be a better Christian. Or um, what's another one? Need to. Someone's further along on their walk, right? Huh? Have y'all heard that? Mature, more mature, right? What's what's success? What's death? (laughs) 
I mean, think about, I'm just being real. The ultimate, the ultimate success is death, right? I mean, if, if we're going to get, let's take this to its end. Well, how far along are you on your walk? I'm not saying we don't grow. I'm not. I, I mean, there you go. That's it. So there's a, an old uh, Quaker song that goes, it's a gift to be simple, it's a gift to be free, it's a gift to come down where you ought to be. Well, you're not really rich unless you have something that other people's money can't buy. That's true. Well, the, the whole, and this this came along with conversation with our kids when we were talking about my friend Jeremy Thrash, money, the, the uh, Y'all know Jeremy. I don't know why I try to explain it every time. And I listened to some of his songs, and one of the kids was like, oh, is this Jeremy? Is this money? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh, is he famous? And I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess. And they were like, oh, is he rich? And I had to pause for a minute. I was like, yeah, he's real rich. He's one of the richest people I know. And I got to tell the kids, you know, I know him and his wife and his kids, and he's very rich. But we needed to find what rich is. Same thing about the prosperity gospel. I believe in the prosperity gospel. We just needed to find what prosperity is. I'm not talking about money. <laughs> we were very prosperous in this new covenant. Very prosperous. So when we, when we define, just as Rick said, when we define success as being at peace regardless of our circumstances, I define that as success as a Christian. Now, you want to talk about f- how far we are on our walk? I mean, we're, we're all on a walk until, I guess, we, we change zip codes and go, go see heaven in its fullness. But I don't, like I said before, that's not the goal restored relationship with his father is the goal and the result is being peace no matter what the circumstances are. So we've defined success. That was a, that was a quick sprint. All right. Good job. It was a little longer than I thought. All right. Let's see. I'm trying to be mindful of time. We're a little over. Everybody good? Okay. That clock's fast. Good. Thank you. All right. We're going to jump. I'm going to wrap this up. All right. We're going to jump to Matthew 11:28. This is message also. I don't always just read all out of the message, but these were just really good written in the message. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Are you tired, worn out, <clears throat> burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk for me? No. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, this isn't another Christian activity that we do. This is literally a dance, and and, uh, what's his name? Judah Smith did it like that. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me. And it's, it's it's a together thing. You're still you. It's okay to be you. This is another thing Christians have gotten really a bad habit of just destroying ourselves constantly. You're not all bad. <laughs> this, is, this has been a, a big hindrance, I think, to a lot of people's growth is they're constantly beating themselves up about things that, that God's not nearly as concerned with as we are. I'm not, I'm not saying that you, know, you don't need to deal with certain things, but there are certain things that we beat ourselves up about that we don't need to beat ourselves up about. And God's wanting to walk with us and work with us. And he's saying, look, let me communicate with you. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm right here with you. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let's, let's dance. <laughs> you don't even need to get a buzz. We can just dance. We'll, we'll be okay. 
we can be happy. <laughs> what a novel idea. Let's see. Hey, Justin, I wanted to reiterate what, what um, Andrew said a few weeks ago when he, he had the message. And it, it just really said a lot to me. He says, God is not a general. When I was growing up, I thought be a general would be great in the military, be obedient, you know, all that good stuff. God is not our general, although he's a good general. Oh, he's a friend. But a friend will leave you. You know, a friend will disappoint you. He's our father. And I, like you, have had a poor example of a father. And then we've realized that our father God can be more easily seen in how we treat our children. I didn't know that. I didn't see that for a long time. I would do anything. One of them was having a job time. And he said, you don't understand. Daddy will do anything for you that he can. That's our father. He's not a general. He's not a friend. All good things. He's our father. I love that. And I learned the exact same way. I learned in reverse. I saw the Father's love through my love for my kids as well. It worked in reverse for me. The more that I understood how much I loved my kids and how unconditional that love was, the more I understood how God loved me. And a perfect example of that is, is a scripture that's been, I believe, mistranslated for years. It was a scripture about uh, ask, seek, knock, beating on the door. When the scripture says the son is in the bed, all he has to do is ask the father for bread. The son is right there with the father. That's the picture he's trying to paint. A friend, they're saying, is, is a completely different part of the story. They're saying a, a friend, you, he, you can be annoyed enough to go help a friend that's knocking on your door, but that's not who we are. We're the son in the bed. In that culture, the son rested in the bed with the father. All he had to do is reach and pull on his dad's beard and say, hey, I need some bread, right? That's all he had to do. This is the closeness that we feel. This is what I'm trying to get to, the intimacy with the father. When, when we pray... I wish I had a, I don't want to bore you with mental images, but like a connected at the hip type thing. <laughs> I, want, I want you to see it. He's with us all the time. He walks with us. He shows us. When you say, listen to the Father, you don't have to run away somewhere necessarily. I'm not saying it's not good to have some quiet time if you want to have quiet time, but you can receive it instantly because the Holy Spirit's with you all the time. So when you say, how do I pray? You stop. You go, Holy Spirit, I need to pray. And then you pray. That's it. You listen and you move. It's like an ebb and flow kind of thing. We walk and we work. We work together. All right. Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What do you think that joy was? Why did he endure the cross? You. What brings him joy? You. Think about that for a minute. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross so he could be with you. Not distant, not far away, but with us all the time. So the Holy Spirit could come and be with us all the time. If there's nothing else to take away from this, say, he is with us. Say it. Say, he is with me all the time. That sounds like an old school church, like back and forth. Thing. But remember that, he is with you all the time. This should should change your perspective on how you do things. I hope. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's, let's go back to the original question. What's, is the goal of prayer to be intimate with God? 
because that's his goal. That was his goal for us, right? Shouldn't our goal be the same as his? His goal was to be with us, and he endured the cross for that joy. So our goal should be the same as his. Now, what happens when we receive that? What's the, the, the natural byproduct of that should be what? Share. Share it with other people. Receive and distribute. So we put intimacy with God as our goal. We stop doing things for God, and we begin to do things from him. We stop doing things for God as a general or as a district manager or as a boss. We begin to do things from him because he is the source by which we can do all these things, right? We love because he first loved us. Why? Because we didn't have that kind of love until he loved us. So now we receive an unconditional love and then we give an unconditional love. It's simple. And and this was another thing that, that me and my friend talked about and he kept trying to corner me on this. Well, what does that tell me practically? How do you do that? I'm not gonna tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that because then you'll try to corner me into a specific thing that we have to do, and that looks different for everybody. It's completely different for everybody. I can give you examples. I can give you examples that I've had. You could give me examples that you've had. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Um, you mentioned that you find yourself better able to understand God's love because of the relationship as a father that you have. I'm reminded that, that Mm-hmm. That was the first thing that was broken by sin. Was they no longer could be together. Yeah. Um, you know, they, you know, God could walk with Enid, for example, not with a relationship with God, and it was Christ. Again, getting back to the veil being torn. You know, it's all about um, God being able to have a relationship with us. And so, modeling like how you model, you, you understand better the love of the Father as a Father. Um, we are able. I think we would be better able to. Our relationship with our Father, in some ways, by um, the relationship we have with, you know, I keep using my wife, I don't talk to my wife the way some people talk to God, the formalized structural kind of language. God's a person, we keep remembering that God's a person, a friend, a father, yeah. it changes how we think we have to communicate. It's not a ceremony. Yeah. Right. And in the same way, it's okay to, I'm not, like I said, we can't cover everything one Sunday. It's okay to ask him for some bread. He'll give you bread. If my kids come to me, they don't, they don't have to beg me to, to get something to eat. They can just go in the pantry and get something to eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? They know, they know that I care for them and they know that I'm there for them. They don't have to petition or say some long big prayer with these and thou's in it or try to impress anybody. They say, hey, I'm hungry. We have food. Okay. Make yourself some cereal because I'm tired. No, I'm just <laughs> Am I the only one that does that? I'm tired. But anyway, yeah, Pam? Um, it really was a revelation to me when, again, parent, child, when my children sinned. And with the Holy Spirit in me, I could look at that child and know that I was disciplined in their choice. But my love for them did not diminish at all. They um, still think, they still will say stuff like, you know, Mama, or you, you still love me? Even though I spoke something, I'm like, I spoke something earlier this morning. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to make me not love you, and they cannot understand that. Well, in, 
in those instances, would you rather them run far away from you? Would any parent rather their kids make a mistake and then bolt and, and until they figure out what they did wrong and then come back? No. We, let's talk about it. Let's, let's work it out. I mean, that's what you were talking about before, is, you know, when we said we want to hide and run away, and, um, but the father That's exactly right, yes, 100%. That's what I think he was talking about when, when, when he says right here, uh, just be there as simply and as honestly as you can imagine. Just be there. Just be together. Just like I was talking about with, with Tracy and I, we always talk about all the things. Sometimes you need to take a step back and just be together and enjoy you know, time or dinner or a sunset or something. Just, just like you said, just be together. There are... Like I said, this isn't cookie cutters. There's multifaceted. There's multi, completely multifaceted in that, and that's what I love about God. He's patient with us, <laughs> and we're still figuring it out. So you guys stand up with me. I know we've kind of gone over a little bit, but it's it's been good. This is good, and <clears throat> I enjoy this because these are some of these questions are hard questions that we need to figure out. I mean, we need to understand clear how this looks because if we don't understand how it looks, we can just continue doing it the incorrect way or or, or thinking that God is a way that He's not. And, and he is a very loving God, and he wants us to see and know him more every day. So, Father, we just thank you for, um, for bringing us together this morning, Lord, that, that we can just um, talk about who you are and who you say we are. Father, we, I just pray that we continue to receive um, the love that you have for us, Father, that we can spend the time and seize every opportunity to receive from you, Lord, and to also distribute that out to other people, Lord, that we take every opportunity that we can to share your love with others. Lord, you tell us that's how we will be recognized as disciples, is that it will be our love for one another. And so as we, as we go out into this world, this is the, the, the church or these people in here, and when they leave this place, the church has left the building. <laughs> and the church will begin to move and, and change lives. Think about this. <laughs> one of you individually may not change the world, but you can really change the world in somebody's lives today. You can really make a difference in somebody's lives if you seize an opportunity and begin to speak life into them. So, Father, I just pray that as we leave this place that you open our eyes to that reality, that you begin to let us see people for how you see people. Father, that you would keep redemption at the top of our list and restoration at the top of our list and love at the top of our list so that we begin to speak that to people and see it in people even when they don't see it in themselves. In Jesus' name, amen.